What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talking Hockey. I am Jack Bushman here with Tony Janiris. It's been a while since we recorded an episode, but glad to get one in tonight before free agency tomorrow. Tony, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Jack, doing pretty well. It's been an exciting and interesting offseason so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, been a, been a fun one, especially for Blackhawks fans. Uh, we've had about, it's been about a month and a half since the last episode, so that means that we have plenty to talk about, and, you know, it's almost tough to kind of find a starting spot, but I think a, a good spot to start with, it, it has to be with the trades, just because one was made this afternoon. I think it's only fitting, Tony. Yeah, it's a great place to start, for sure, and it's a familiar face. Absolutely. Let's recap these four trades the Blackhawks have made this offseason, starting with the most recent one this afternoon. Andrew Shaw is now a Blackhawk again. Stan Bowman pulling a classic Stan Bowman, bringing back a former Blackhawk for another stint. (laughs) So the trade was Andrew Shaw in a 2021 seventh round pick in exchange for a 2020 second, a 2027 and a 2021 third. Tony, what's your initial reaction to that trade? My instant reaction was I was kind of confused about it, to be honest. Um, I thought it was maybe a slight overpay. That second-round pick and that third-round pick are pretty high. That's a big price to pay, I would say. Yeah, especially if the Blackhawks – I mean, obviously their goal is to come back and be a postseason team this upcoming season. But if that doesn't work out, that 2022nd could be a fairly high pick. It could be in the 40s potentially, which is where you start, you know, you get worried giving up a pick that early. Yeah, especially considering that next year's draft class is pretty deep. Yeah, so uh, my instant reaction, too, was it, it was a little much to give up for a player like Andrew Shaw. Uh, breaking down Shaw real quick, he's got three years left at $3.9 million, which a lot of people are saying is pricey, but I think once tomorrow rolls around, I'm, I don't think they're going to be thinking that's just as pricey as I think some right. people are going to get overpaid tomorrow. So I do think that contract will look better literally tomorrow. Uh yeah, you could even re- really you could even look at uh, what what Philly just paid for Kevin Hayes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Pretty much, Kevin Hayes is kind of the same. He he probably produces a little bit more than Andrew Shaw does offensively, but mm-hmm. still, let let's say I, I saw a solid tweet today. I think uh, it was from James Nevo. Uh, if Andrew Shaw is on the open market, he's probably getting six million dollars. Yeah, really. If you want to look at free agent rates, that's probably accurate. That that's what I was thinking. So really. for three years, especially as the cap uh, probably will continue to go up. That deal will probably only look better. And then looking at some of Shaw's stats, uh, he's coming off a career year this past year in Montreal. In 63 games, he had 19 goals and 28 assists for 47 points. Pretty impressive Mm -hmm. for, you know, a guy that, you know, hasn't been known for his offense. Right. But he got some chances playing on the top line with Montreal this year. I think that could have played a role in his production too. It might be a product of, of his environment playing with more highly skilled players. Yeah. He was playing with Domi there for a, a bit and drew in, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but still nonetheless, you know, you'd rather see him put up numbers than not to. Right. So he also, uh, some of his other numbers were impressive. Plus 17 career high, uh, 128 hits, which, you know, I, I don't talk about hits too much, but I wanted to bring that up because in, in just 63 games, he had 128, which would have led the Blackhawks last season. That's pretty crazy in that amount of games. Like, that's 
they at least like what two hits a game. Yeah, that's that's significant. That's significant. Yeah, just about two hits a game. Six, six three. Yeah, my math's not too great, but <laughs> little over two hits a game. Um, he kind of hit a poor faceoff year. He was only forty seven point one percent, but uh, he's a career forty eight point five guy. So he's someone that will probably play on the wing more than he will center. But it's nice mm-hmm. to have that center depth. You know, if someone were to go down or someone gets kicked, yeah, draw. You have a guy that you know can win draws for you. Yeah, I just saw something a few minutes ago. Actually, Carlton wanted to have more guys that could rotate in at center. I saw that exact same thing. So yeah, that's that's definitely a, you know a mindset that the Blackhawks front office has had, and that probably played a big factor in going out and getting Andrew Shaw. Yeah, he definitely brings some versatility for sure. Absolutely. Some uh, little question marks though about Andrew Shaw. Uh, in his three seasons with Montreal, he didn't play in 70 games in any of those three seasons. Yeah. And also, um, prior to a lot of a good year for Shaw this last year, two years ago, he played in 51 games and he only had 10 goals and 10 assists. Ooh. Minus eight. And he also had 53 penalty minutes in those 51 games. We need him to be more disciplined than that. Yeah, that's the one thing that I really don't like about Shaw's game. He takes idiotic penalties. He did say in his own press conference today that he, he, I mean, this is obviously his word, so hopefully it's true, right. but he says he's more of a mature player, but he's going to, that's a show me thing, not tell me. Yeah. You have to see how he actually performs when he's on the ice. Yeah. So I think if Andrew Shaw, he can, you know, he has to be smarter. If he can provide a good net front presence, something that the Blackhawks haven't had since basically he left. Yeah. He did a lot of it in Montreal actually last year. Yeah, he he's a small guy, but he's not afraid of anything. He will go to any area on the ice, and he will give it 100%, which is what I always loved about Andrew Shaw. Yeah, he's definitely a great locker room guy and a high-energy guy for sure. And he's a guy you want around. If, you know, if you're a postseason squad, he's a guy you want in your locker room. Yeah, he's he's been around the championship teams. He has experience. And he'll um, win. Yeah, I think he's he could be a great locker room ad for sure. That's what I'm thinking, so – you know, a lot there was a lot of, you know, backlash to this, a lot of people loving it, but I think this is just one of those trades where it's a wait and see thing, you know. Uh, obviously we yeah. we gave up a decent amount for Andrew Shaw, but we're going to have to kind of wait and see what those draft picks turn into, wait and see how Shaw goes about business the next couple years. This yeah. Is really a trade you can just look at from day 1 and be like win or loss. Right. At least in my opinion, I think, you know, this is a trade where you sit back and you wait a while and you see, all right, well, maybe we won this one or, or maybe we gave up a little too much. I think time will tell. Yeah. I think a part of it is because Bowman has had a track record of going for the reunion tours with former players. Yeah. A lot and of- they haven't really worked out. I, I, yeah, I could definitely see that. And I mean, you know, you could make, you could make, I, I understand why people would say that, but I think. Yeah. I think Shaw's a little, a, a bit different of a situation. I mean, most guys that for some reason Stan brought back were like 40 years old, like Johnny O'Doo, well out of his yeah. prime. Brian Campbell, well out of his prime. Like, it, it just wasn't, it, it just didn't look that good. And I think Shaw's right. a different situation. But it know, is, it is different for sure because he's only 27 right now, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's 27, 28. So somewhere along those lines. But so he's still got some good hockey ahead of him. Uh, fairly cheap cap hit. We saw a good production from him last year, so if he continue, uh, if he can continue with that that consistency, uh, I think this would be a solid ad for the Blackhawks. Yeah, I think we will have to wait and see how it pans out during the season. I agree, Tony. Uh, so now moving on to uh, another trade that the Blackhawks recently made, 
uh, the trade before the Shaw trade. That was for Kelvin Dahan, someone the Blackhawks had their eyes on for some time. And the Blackhawks had been trying to get a top four defenseman from the Hurricanes for, you know, about a year and mm-hmm. usually ended because the Blackhawks were unwilling to part ways with Brandon Saad. And fortunately, Tony, the Hawks were able somehow to get a move made without getting rid of a top six forward. That that move was right. fantastic. Yeah, honestly, I think Carolina Otis won for that Bickle Teravinen trade, so <laughs> it, it all worked out. <laughs> so the official trade was the Blackhawks acquired Calvin DeHaan and Alexi Sorella from Carolina in exchange for Gustav Forsling and Anton Forsberg. Like, that trade couldn't be any more that, That's two players that didn't have a future in Chicago, so, so that's a huge win. It's highway robbery. The Blackhawks really took advantage uh, of a team that was trying to shed cap. I mean, Forsling, he's a pending RFA that just never looked comfortable in each of his three seasons with the Blackhawks. And then Anton Forsberg was falling in the depth chart, you know, fourth, fifth-string goalie that could yeah. use a fresh start. So, I mean, that move just made sense in way too many ways. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the return, the Bla- that's such a lopsided trade for the Blackhawks. Absolutely. Calvin DeHaan, uh, solid top four defenseman. He's probably more of a three or a four than he is, you know, yeah. two. But he's strong in his own zone, good at breaking up rushes. He's got some size. He's six one, two hundred pounds, just 28. And he's got a fairly solid contract, three years left at $4.5 million. So yeah, I, I think I, he's going to provide uh, solid work to the penalty kill. And although mm-hmm. he doesn't provide much offense, you know, that's not really why the Hawks acquired him. Right, exactly. In my opinion, Dahan is basically like a poor man's Jalmerson. Yeah. He blocked 100-plus shots in, I believe it was, five of his seven NHL seasons. That's great. That's something the Blackhawks have missed dearly. Yeah, I, I loved uh, what Mark uh, Mark Lazarus had to say. He was like, he's not Nicholas Jalmerson, but he's as close to Nicholas Jalmerson as right. we've had since Nicholas Jalmerson. <laughs> exactly. It was a great move, and it made sense on so many levels. It absolutely does. He's there to help the in the defensive zone, play significant time on the penalty kill, an area that the Blackhawks needed to get better def, uh, desperately. And also, not to get lost in this trade, Tony, is Alexi Sorella, who he's coming off. Great pickup. Yes, he's coming off a 30-goal season for the Charlotte Checkers, the Calder Cup champions, and, and he was a big part of that team. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're not familiar with Sorella, he's um, a very high-octane high scoring forward. He can make plays happen. Yeah, yeah, and I've read multiple reports say he's got a rifle of a shot. Um, yeah. He very well, you know, if he has a good camp, he's someone that could begin the season as a bottom six forward for the Blackhawks. I mean, 30 yeah. in the AHL, that sounds like he's ready to make the jump. Yeah, and also another thing that works in his favor is that he's a pretty good four checker. Yeah, that that's, you know, that's another bonus right there adding to obviously he has offensive skill. So, you know, hopefully in a bottom six role, he can be just as good without the puck as he is with it. That's that's good. Yeah. Hopefully. It's a it's a great depth move. And also, he's probably going to be comfortable. We just drafted his brother, Auntie. Yeah. So he's got some family there, although, you know, his family's probably never been to Chicago. At least they got, you know, two eggs in one basket there now. Yeah. It, com- com- being comfortable is pretty huge, especially for a young player. Sure. You know, it can't hurt his development. So that 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 trade made, I mean, just getting Sorella on his own is just, that trade made, made sense in a lot of ways. I'd say that was... So far, that was the best move of the offseason. Absolutely, yeah. This, in my mind, it couldn't have been a bigger win for the Blackhawks. You added a solid defenseman who, to Kelvin DeHaan, he is hurt. We're not really sure 
uh, exactly what his timetable is. He said he's going to try to be ready for camp, but we just kind of yeah. of October and November, kind of like Connor Murphy last season. Yeah, I mean, even if he does miss a little time, he's going to provide so much value that I don't think it matters. Yeah, absolutely. You're gonna, we're gonna love Chicago fans are gonna learn to love him. I really think. Yeah, and he's also still young. He's under thirty, I believe. Right? He's twenty eight. He's just yeah, he just turned twenty eight. Yeah, so he you have to think he still has a few years left in the tank of his prime. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I'm pretty sure when I was looking at his numbers earlier, uh, he's well, he he's played in a top four role for most of his career, but he's usually yeah. a nineteen minute guy. So I don't think there's a lot of mileage on on his tires. Yeah, I mean he he's pretty good defensively. He can play that top four role. Uh, he's going to really help this team out a lot because you have to start protecting Keith and Seabrook as they get older. Absolutely. And yeah, with their minutes. Exactly. And that's kind of the, I think, I think playing a guy like Calvin DeHaan with Brent Seabrook is exactly what's about to happen. I mean, DeHaan was great on the shutdown role with Justin Falk for Carolina. Mm -hmm. Carolina had a ton of success. They made it, you know, to the conference finals. Yeah. Uh, From what I've noticed about how teams have used DeHaan in the past he usually carries an, another defenseman who isn't as good in their defensive zone. Yeah, so I mean that could that, that pretty much just rings Brent Seabrook in my head right away. Yeah, it, it that pairing would make sense, but I would like to see personally a shutdown pairing of Mata with Dehan. Mata with Dehan. That that would be my choice for a shutdown defensive pairing. If if Mata can play, or even a penalty kill. If Mata can play on his opposite wing or opposite side, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, we still don't know because we haven't seen these guys on the ice yet, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, and, I mean, we, we've kind of gone that mix-and-match route where, I mean, we've seen Gustafson play the right side. We've seen Murphy yeah. play the left. So, I mean, we can talk about hypothetical pairings all we want, but we really don't know until they hit the ice. Right. Plus, there's still moves to be made. Exactly, yeah. We're just we're just getting started here, basically. But that that was just – a home run of a trade. You added a solid defenseman while also grabbing a solid prospect while giving yeah. minimal assets. It just made too much sense. Big win. Yeah. That was what probably top five involvement acquisitions. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Probably. Probably. I can't, you know, off the top of my head, can't, can't really, there's been so many, but that's definitely yeah. where it's just no doubt, a no doubt win. Yeah. I agree. That, that was awesome to see. Um, so the, another trade, I mean, just a plethora of trades the Blackhawks have made in the last two months. Uh, this was the only trade that was a one for one. And that deal was with the New Jersey Devils, John Hayden for John Quenville, cousin of former Blackhawks coach and legend, Joel Quenville, of course. Mm-hmm. And that move, it was just kind of about two players that were desperately needing fresh starts. Yeah. I mean, you saw last season, the change of scenery trades with Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini. So hopefully we can see another repeat of that with Quenville. And Stan loves trading. He pulled another classic Stan Bowman move on this one, acquiring a former first-round pick. He loves yeah. Later Cuckoo, Dylan Strom. He loves doing that. And it's worked out decently so far. So, you know, John Hayden, he played a solid game, but he just could never produce anything to back it up. He just never really found his role. Yeah, he, he always looked a little confused out there. He didn't know what he was supposed to be on the ice because – they never really gave him a steady, consistent role. Yeah, he was always mixed around, playing with different guys. It was not like he was consistently playing with the same people for like a week or two. It was mm-hmm. he'd be in and out of the lineup, or you know he'd be jumbling lines. 
Yeah, it or was, even very minimal minutes, too. Bit of a tough situation for Hayden to succeed in. So uh, I do wish him all the best uh, in New Jersey. I really, I really had high hopes when he came out of Yale. I loved him. I remember him scoring his first goal, skate to stick, top shelf against Toronto. Yeah. Pass from Johnny Tays. I really, I really hoped he was going to be good. And I still think he's got potential. There's no reason for him, you know, to not, he, he's going to get opportunities in New Jersey. Yeah. But I'm also excited to, to get John Quenville. Uh, he was the 30th overall pick in the 2014 NHL draft. And uh, he's been really good at the AHL level last season in uh, 37 games uh, in uh, the AHL, he had 18 goals and 21 assists in 37 games, so 39 points in 37 games. He's always been around a point-per-game player yeah. at the HL level, but he just hasn't been able to click at the NHL. He's only got five points in 33 games. Yeah, it seems like he has Dylan Sakura syndrome. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what I thought when I looked at <laughs> Damn, that's pretty much Sakura. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can put it together, and it also will be interesting to see how much playing time he gets. Yeah, I'm not really sure where he's going to start the year. Not sure if, you know, because I don't think he's still fairly young. So I don't think that's kind of why you want to start off the year scratching a lot. I think he's probably someone you'd rather have playing in the AHL than sitting on your bench, you know? Probably. And the Blackhawks also just re-signed him to a two-year deal, which shows they're kind of seeing what his progression is going to be for, you know, the next couple months. Yeah. So I think, yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that's fighting for, you know, fighting for a spot in camp. Yeah, I mean, the Blackhawks have some really great young talent. They just need to see where they all fit. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be a dogfight for the those bottom six spots. There's a lot of guys that we can throw around there. You know, you got um, – now that you got Shaw, you know, you can see Kajula getting mixed in the bottom six. You got yeah. Nick Kabalik. You got Anton Whedon, Dylan Secura, John Quenville. There's a lot of names there, and there's only so many spots. I'm also interested to see where Kurashev lands. Yeah, he's a guy, probably, you know, one of our. He's definitely a top ten prospect. Could working towards you know maybe like six or something. But he's yeah. a guy that if he has a good camp, he could make the team. He he had a very impressive um, World Junior. Yeah, I mean, I think they have high hopes for Kurashev, and I certainly do. It, yeah, absolutely. It just depends if they want him to get more playing time in Rockford. He'll probably yeah. get more opportunity in Rockford. Yeah, that, that's another one of those situations where you'd rather have him playing in Rockford than sitting on the bench. Similar to Yoki Haru. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's another situation of its own. Oh my God. <laughs> that frustrates me a lot because uh, there's just, to me, there's no reason that he shouldn't be playing in the NHL. What does he have to prove in the NHL still? Yeah, I mean... Really, I would have liked to see Yoki Haru in the lineup during that sort of playoff push towards the end of the season. He prob- that would have been great experience for him. Yeah, right. I, I think that would have been more. I mean, I-, I do get why sending him down to Rockford was a decision that they made, but I still think that, you know, he, like, yeah, he was starting to progress in the wrong way, you know, like, yeah. like through the season. But still, there was a lot of valuable learning experiences for him, you know, if he was up in that push. And he was one of our best three, four defenders on the season. Right. Yeah, I mean, it didn't make sense because they were trotting out some very bad defensive pairings while he was sitting in Roxford. Exactly. And, you know, just with the numbers right now, it just doesn't make sense because unless Seabrook is the seventh defenseman and we move either Cuckoo or Dahlstrom, 
Mm-hmm. It just really doesn't look like Yoki Haru is going to be playing in the NHL this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it is really hard to see his path to the, to the NHL unless there's more trades to, that happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, looking at the defensemen right now, you, you have Keith and Seabrook. They have full no movement clauses, so they're probably mm-hmm. not, they're not going anywhere. Not probably yeah. not going anywhere. You just acquired Dahan and Mata, two guys that, you know, you just traded away assets for. So you probably, unless the deal's incredible, you're probably not going to move them. And they also have years left on their contract, so. And they're pretty reasonable contracts. Yeah. And then I've seen, you know, guy people wanting Connor Murphy to be traded. But at the same time, you know, he, he's pretty good for his cap value. And also, he was pretty impressive last season. Yeah, I, I feel like he was kind of an unsung hero in a way last season uh he blocked shots he he played pretty like he was like our only defense yeah really playing defense <laughs> yeah he was playing defense carrying some of the uh guys like Gustafson at times so I mean he has some good value still that's what I'm saying I, I wouldn't really be in a hurry to trade him and, and then Stan Bowman a, a week ago went on 670 to score and he said you know Eric Gustafson's not going anywhere so that's pretty much those six guys right there. Yeah, that's the top six. I think I think Slater Cuckoo is probably an ideal seven. I would definitely prefer to keep him as a seventh. He's a great rotational piece. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You'd definitely rather have him at seven than Yoki Haru playing every now and then. Yeah, that I don't think that'd be great for his development. And then I think Dahlstrom's probably going to start the year in Rockford. Yeah, I, I would assume that's the plan right now. And, and that's what I'm thinking. So unless you move... I really think even moving uh, Carl Dahlstrom wouldn't change anything. I think the only way no. is is if Slater maybe Slater Cuckoo gets moved, but even then it's still hard to imagine. Like it's such a tough situation that the Blackhawks yeah. was in. What? And really, I don't see Seabrook being a seven. They're not going to do that to him. I, I know. As much as like you know, it, it would probably benefit him if he spent one out of every five six games in the press box. It's not. Yeah, they have too much respect for him in in the organization. Yeah, that's that's not how you that's not how you do a guy that's done so much for you, you know. Yeah, the, their loyalty that's they're not going to do that to him. And and the Blackhawks are a very much so respect driven organization. They they have a lot of yeah throughout you know the the locker room and the front office. There there's a lot of respect there between the players and you know the guys that have been around for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, even though Keith is getting up there in age, he still played fairly well last season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Duncan Keith definitely in a different, you know, situation would look better. And he's not a number one. He just. Yeah. At this point, no. That's the toughest part about him is, you know, you can't be giving him minutes that don't fit him anymore. Yeah. They're going to have to look at scaling back minutes for those two guys. Yeah. That, that's, that's an interesting situation of its own. And it's tough. I mean, it puts the Blackhawks in a tough spot. Uh, and, you know, I mean, unless a trade happens, I think this is what we got right now defensively. I, I don't see yeah. out and getting a defenseman free agency tomorrow. I think with the additions of Mata and Dahan, I think that's the top six right there. That's what I'm saying. I think um, that probably a good time to talk about Oli Mata here. Yeah. I think he's another guy that, um, you know, we, we just got and we have expectations for him to be playing on the penalty kill, mm-hmm. playing in defensive situations to help out the team. I mean, that, that's what we got him for. I mean, he's 24, yeah. he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion on the left side, and he's a big boy. He's 6'2", 205, and plays on the penalty kill. That's what we got him for. So he's yeah. probably playing significant minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look, I'm looking at Mata's stats right now. His career average time on ice is 18.54, so that's a top four guy. Yeah, that's that's like a three four, which is what we probably expect him to be. You yeah. pay him a million dollars, that's probably the role he's going to be in. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair evaluation. I, I mean, I, I I'm still I've seen you know obviously everyone's freaking out because Mata's like painfully slow, which is. Like, <laughs> Pair him with Seabrook, like that would be dreadful. <laughs> yeah, Mata with Seabrook, that would be uh, probably in competition for the slowest pairing ever. Right, but I mean, <laughs> he's like, he's had, he's won, he's won in his career. He's only twenty four. Um, yeah, he cups. Um, he's a former first round pick in twenty twelve. Got a fairly reasonable contract. If he helps out the penalty kill, and you know, does his job playing eighteen and nineteen minutes, I think that's, I think that trade's going to be solid, especially just considering that the Hawks have so many guys coming up that could, you know, be middle six guys that yeah. kind of became expendable. I'm looking at uh, Mata's stats on Hockey Reference. And Love he, he, yeah, it's probably my favorite stat website. Um, overall, he's been pretty good in blocking shots. That's kind of an underrated skill that he has. He has he never one, have enough. Yeah, he has one, two, three, four out of his – six seasons he had over 100 shot blocks so that's great what you want to see yeah so yeah i mean that's what we brought him in for um stepping you know stepping in front of shots we, we need more of that I, it's incredible to me that seabrook was you know top five shot blocker in the league last year mm-hmm. so you know obviously adding a guy like still having mata and seabrook are still having seabrook and adding mata you know that should only block more shots, give our goaltending some help because our goaltending was getting absolutely peppered last year. <laughs> I mean, it's how hard is it to win a game when you're saving forty plus shots a game? Yeah, right. I know it's incredible. Honestly, it's so incredible that the Hawks ended up in the position they were last season, considering how like awful everything was. Like, yeah, it was awful. It really was. Like, we had two eight game losing streaks. Had probably. Besides Ottawa, which is not really saying much, we had the worst defense in the league. Right. Goalies were getting peppered, and Crawford was never healthy, and yet we almost made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that that also speaks to the depth in the Western Conference. It kind of fell off. Yeah, it did. It did. And I I don't think that's going to be the case for the next upcoming years. So, Especially with our division rivals getting better. and Central's just adding pieces. Minnesota. Expected to get Zuccarello. Dallas is supposed to get Pavelski. Nashville's supposed to get Duchesne. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting better, and that's why it's so important that with the acquisitions the Blackhawks have made, these guys have to perform well, especially in this next season coming out, because it would really be a shame for the Blackhawks to make all these moves and then take a step back in the standings next year. That would be really hard to see. Yeah, that would be tough to swallow, especially because they – used so much of their cap space to do this, these things. Yeah, so, you know, it's really crucial that these guys execute. Blackhawks need to be fully invested in Jeremy Carlton's system, and I'm sure they will be now that he has an offseason. So I'm excited to see, you know, how yeah. is that we've traded for, how they fit into Carlton's system, how, you know, having a full offseason, you know, makes a difference in not having to learn yeah. on, the, on, the, uh, on the road. Yeah, I mean – that's that was huge last season, an in-season coaching change. Um, that you really saw how much they struggled with that in, instant eight-game losing streak. I believe it was. Yeah, and it, that yeah, that much killed the season right there. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how everything gels together this off-season. 
with a full offseason and training camp with Jeremy Carlton in charge. So I think the team that can only benefit the team. Yeah, I'm super excited for how this team's going to mesh. And overall, I think Stan Bowman made some nice moves to make the roster better as a whole. And I also like that most of the moves have players signed for multiple years while the Blackhawks still have the money to re-sign Debrinket and Strom long-term. Yes, and also another thing to keep in mind is most of the acquisitions were players under 30. Yes, so we're getting younger, we're getting grittier, definitely, and we're getting better defensively. So they're they're the recent trades the Blackhawks have made, and I think that puts us in a good spot, um, you know, or at least a better spot, I should say, to compete or seriously compete in the Western Conference, make a playoff push. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's going to make tomorrow NHL free agency July 1st. It's going to make it interesting because the, the Blackhawks, they're kind of in a tough spot. They do have some money as of right now. They have an estimated $8 million or so in cap space for free agency, but they still need to pay Brendan Perlini, who they expect to resign. And they also yeah. expect to bring back David Kampf. Mm-hmm. He was giving a qualifying offer, but, you know, just tonight, uh, Jeremy Carlton and Stan said that it's looking likely that they bring him back. Yeah. So it's like the Blackhawks have probably around, you know, unless, like we said, unless they somehow move Anisimov. <laughs> right. Next 12 hours, it's looking I like don't, they Yeah, I don't think they're going to – nobody's going to trade for Anisimov with that bonus coming up. Yeah, he's got that $2 million bonus tomorrow. So it's looking like, yeah – Blackhawks are going to have to pay him that tomorrow. And then although his no movement clause does drop, um, no one, no one's itching to grab Artem Anisimov and everyone knows the Blackhawks expect the GMs have to know how desperate the Blackhawks are to try to get rid of him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they were trying to get him to waive his clause and that didn't happen. Um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see what kind of value they even get back for him too. Yeah, I, I don't know what – there can't be a team that's, you know – no one can really be giving up too much for Artem Anisimov, especially with that cap hit. He doesn't provide all that much. He had a struggle season last year. Um, so I think it's going to be tough for the Blackhawks to go get anything but a bottom six penalty killing forward tomorrow. Yeah, and there's definitely some interesting names out there if you want to talk about those now. Yeah, absolutely. Some guys that, uh, you know, could be potential fits with the Blackhawks – some guys that I jotted down here. Uh, Pierre Edward Belmar is one of the guys that interests me right off the bat. Uh, he is a little older. He's 34, but he plays center and he's very efficient as a fourth liner. Tony, last year he played in 76 games, 15 points, but he plays like 12, 13 minutes for a fourth liner, which, you know, we saw yeah. a lot of Blackhawks last season playing like five, six minutes. Yeah, that, that would be huge to add his faceoff wins to the team. And he's a good penalty killer. Uh, he's physical and a shot blocker. And both of his years in Vegas, he had really solid possession numbers. He had good Corsi and Fenwick possession numbers. And Vegas obviously had a lot of success in their first two seasons. Yeah, and also he probably wouldn't be very expensive. Yes, mo- most of these guys that I have jotted down are going to be the less expensive short-term options because that's, that's the Blackhawks market right now. Yeah, they're going to try to get these short-term deals, especially with some extensions coming up for Strom and Dabrinkit. Absolutely. Uh, and, and sticking with another guy from the Vegas Golden Knights that catches my eye, someone that could potentially be a third or fourth line center, Ryan Carpenter. Uh, he's only 28. Last season, he was impressive with Vegas. Uh, he was 
he had 126 hits, which would have led the Hawks. Mm-hmm. His possession numbers, he had a 58.1% Corsi percentage and a 56.8% Fenwick. So you don't oh. really numbers like that from a third or fourth liner too often. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the type of player that the Blackhawks are targeting. Yeah, and I, this was a stat I definitely wanted to, to mention. Uh, the Blackhawks, when Jonathan Tate, when they were on the penalty kill last season and Jonathan Tate wasn't taking the draw, the Blackhawks won 40.9% of their faceoffs. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's just not acceptable. And, you know, you, have, you can't put that out there again and expect different results. That's insanity. Um, so Ryan Carpenter makes a lot of sense for that. He, he's above 50% faceoff man in his career. He's physical, good possession numbers, can play on the penalty kill, and, and he also can generate some offense in the bottom six role as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty versatile. He's relatively young. I would definitely be on board with bringing him over. Yeah, um, and yeah, just he's another guy that, I mean, he's not going to command very much as Ryan Carpenter. He had 18 points last season. Uh, you could see him being, you know, maybe two million, two point five, if we're being generous, just because it's free agency, you know. Right. Everyone's about to get overpaid. That's just kind of how it goes if you want to get a guy. Yeah. And you know, if I mean, look at what we paid Marcus Kruger last year to do—literally nothing. Yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> exactly. The money to have a guy that actually does something, you know. So that right. that wouldn't really be a worry for me. Um. Some other guys here want to talk about Marcus Granlund for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season, he was impressive. He had 70, uh, 77 games, 12 goals, 10 assists. And also in 2016-17, he scored 19 goals in 69 games. So he, he's also been on Vancouver the last couple of years where I feel like kind of that roster, you're just kind of like, well, if they weren't there, maybe they could do something else. You know, I feel like there's kind of a team right. where you have guys on their roster where you're like, I don't know if you're really that good or not. <laughs> like, right. I feel like, Sometimes these stats are a mirage and more of a product of their environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's kind of tough to gauge like how much these players are worth. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a guy like Granlund, he scored. You know, he has 19 goal potential, but that could have just been just a ridiculous season where he's randomly getting his chances with a Vancouver right. lineup that doesn't have much depth. Right. So one thing that did stick out to me about Granlund, though, uh, of all current uh, free agent forwards. He led all of them in shorthand, average shorthanded time on ice last season. Okay, so that's an area that the Blackhawks could have proven. Absolutely, and he he was playing in mostly a bottom six role, but he still averaged about fourteen to fifteen minutes per game. So he's someone that uh, he has experience playing in, you know, probably a little bit more minutes than he should. So mm-hmm. even you know if we dialed it back a couple minutes for a guy like him, he could be productive, and he's you know experienced in different situations. Yeah, I think he wouldn't be ranked as high as the previous two guys that we mentioned. Yeah, I would think so, too. I would really like to see Belmar or Carpenter. I think they, you know, obviously, coming from their last two years in Vegas, they know what it takes to win. I mean, yeah, damn, Vegas was – I mean, they gave up three power play goals in four minutes to lose to the Sharks in Game 7, you know. Yeah. So who knows where Vegas could have gone this season, and those are two guys that were a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So – um. Those guys would be huge ads. I think those are probably my two like favorites out of the bunch, but I wouldn't be upset, you know, with adding any of these guys. I could see some, you know, I could see adding these guys making sense for different reasons. Right. And also with the recent trades that they made, I think they kind of took themselves out of the race for Ryan Dezingle. Yeah, that's what uh, we should probably should have mentioned that earlier. But yeah, I think it's going to be tough because 
Dude, I, Kevin Hayes just screwed everything up, man. Because <laughs> if Ryan Dezingle wants six to seven million, he can go get it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Everyone has an argument now. It's like, all right, you gave Kevin Hayes seven million. Like, I deserve that too. Yeah, and I mean, Dezingle had about the same offensive production, around 50 points. Yeah, he's like a 45, 55 point guy. Usually a 20 goal scorer. Not not a big yeah. assist guy, but he's he can he's got a rifle of a shot. But that's kind of tough. Yeah, uh, I, I just don't see. You know, the math doesn't make sense. Right. I think overinflation is going to be key in this free agent period. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough just because the market's going to be so flooded with the money. Yeah. That, you know, before Shaw, I thought we had a chance to get to Zingle, and now after that move, it's kind of tough to see where it fits. Yeah, I think they kind of went away from Zingle with that move. Yeah, it, it was tough. Uh, one more guy I do want to add, though, potentially – a bottom six guy. He doesn't play center, which is, I think, what mm-hmm. the Blackhawks are looking for the most. But Eunice Donskoy is someone that really catches yeah. my eye. He, he's a solid 30-point producer, and, and he's one of the best at driving possession in his, team's fav- uh, in his team's favor. He's never had a Corsi under 53.5% in his four-year career, and his Fenwick is even better. Every time he's on the ice, his expected goals for is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. I could kind of see why San Jose was wanting to part ways with him. Uh, he's, you know, he, his rookie year, he had 30 points and his highest, he's played four years now and his highest since has been 37. He hasn't mm-hmm. really taken the step that the Sharks may have wanted, but I think Eunice Donskoy would be a really, really solid third line player. Yeah. His possession numbers are really good. And I think he, he has a fairly good amount of offensive upside. Yeah, he does. He scored some big goals. He's made some playoff runs for San Jose. Um, experience is, you know, you can never have too much of it. He doesn't play center. I do think that the Hawks want a good face-off winning center for their bottom six yeah. in PK. But, you know, I mean, if the money is right for a guy like Belmar, Carpenter, Granlund, maybe even like Tanev or Riley Shahan, if, like yeah. if the money's right, you could maybe go and spend a couple million on another guy. It just depends how the market goes tomorrow. Yes, and also another guy I wanted to mention was Valtteri right. Sokula. Of course, yeah. He's someone that we've seen estimated for, you know, the $1 to $1.5 million options. And um, uh, he had some solid numbers last year, I'm pretty sure, if you could look those up real yeah. quick by chance. He had 31 uh, points in yeah, 72 right? games. How old is he now? Um, let's see. I think he's 34. 34. I still thought he was older than that. I feel like he's been Actually, around forever. Actually, he is 35. Okay. But still, I just remember him on those Red Wings teams way back in the day. Yeah. But hell, I mean, I'd, I'd pay $1.5 million for Valtteri Filippola. His, yeah, his career faceoff percentage is 51.1. Dude, on the fourth line, that would be money. Yeah, I mean, if he can still keep up with the speed of the NHL, I would go for it on a short-term deal. Center depth is just so, so important. You can never have too much of it. And, I mean, especially it, you can have the uh, the advantage of having centers play, on, like guys that can play on the wing and play center too, you know? Getting, yeah. Guys getting kicked out of the draw. You can never have too many of those guys. And Valtteri Filippula is one of those guys that he's been around winning his career. He's a veteran. He's been on like 20 teams, I swear. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's got tons of experience. So, I mean, I'd be for that move as well. Yeah, and I'm looking at his Corsi. Since 2014, it has been 50 or above. And, and he's been in his 30s. Yeah. That's impressive as a 30-year-old in a, in a league that's just getting faster and faster. He's somehow keeping up and still having solid possession. 
or yes, actually, I'm sorry, I had that reversed. Uh, 2014-15 was his last season at 50. So, okay. so he's kind of fallen off over the years. But How bad still, are they? What are they looking at? So last year he had a 43.8 Corsi. Yikes. Yeah, he kind of fell off a little bit. So maybe he would be a last resort, I would say. He's someone that could be super cheap, though. Yeah. He played for, he played for uh, the Islanders. And, yeah, last year. Um, they're they're kind of a weird team. I feel like they always get like a lot of production out of guys like that. Like he scored seventeen goals last year. Like what the hell? <laughs> That's yeah, so I random. mean he can still chip in. That's what I'm saying. So on the fourth line, cheap option. Uh, I'm for it. I mean, um, this, if we can get, you know, two two pieces that could make sense, I'd be for that too. I'd also be for one piece that makes sense. Just whatever helps, you know, our weaknesses become strengths. And that's what's really important because we had a lot of glaring weaknesses last year and yeah. we have to, we have to fill those holes. Yeah, roster depth was the main focus this offseason, I believe. Absolutely. It was that while still saving money to be able to sign DeBrinket and Strowman. So far, we've done that. Yeah, I mean, plus next season, Crawford's $6 million falls off. He, I, I do think that, just like as we talked about earlier, this is a respect organization. Mm-hmm. I think if Corey Crawford wants to play next year, we do re-sign him, but it's not going to be for that money. I you think know? it could maybe be like... Four. I think it could one, be like... A one-year, maybe three or four mil. Yeah, I, I think also he would... I mean... Come on, this Corey's been with this organization his whole life. He's only one here, you know. I think, you know, if he could if he could take a discount, he would. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, don't know if, what goes he, on in those conversations. Yeah. But... It also it comes down to if he still wants to play. Absolutely. This year is going to be a big telltale for his future because we haven't seen him, you know, play a full season in almost three years now. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30. And but but the thing is, when he's healthy, he's one of the best in the world. Still, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, especially now with the de- better defensive help in front of him, it could make a huge difference. That's what I'm saying, Corey. I mean, I would not be surprised at all if Corey has a strong year this year. He, he I mean, you. It's really rare to see Corey Crawford perform poor. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, even though he comes, like he's had his concussions, he's hasn't been consistently in the lineup. It seems every start he has, basically, even though he's getting peppered. He's still strong, even at his age. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really have terrible numbers. He still performed pretty well last season. I mean, you can't really look at his numbers all that seriously, you know. Like, right. everyone, every, anyone we could put in that, like, Marty Brodeur would have had bad numbers last year. Like, we were allowing, <laughs> like, 40 shots a game. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in a bad season, he still stood up to the challenge. That's what I'm saying. He And even at his age, concussion problems, it seriously doesn't look like it's slowing him down at all. Yeah. So this is going to be a big season for Corey Crawford. Um, big season for just the future of the Blackhawks and their cap situation because yeah. there's kind of little cap available because we know how we're going to spend it. It's going to be Stroman to Brinkett. Mm-hmm. And we, a lot of these trades that we made this offseason were for guys that have longer term deals. So yeah. we kind of, it's like almost like we have like 80% of our roster built in place pretty much for the next couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys, have multiple years left on their contract so that kind of works out exactly exactly so um yeah with with the little cap space available for the Blackhawks it it looks like they're only probably going to add one or two players that won't cost a lot tomorrow Mm -hmm. likely short-term deals most likely one year 
Uh, so that that's pretty much the Blackhawks situation heading into free agency tomorrow. Stan Bowman's kind of let the fans know what to be expecting. It's probably not going. Or it's probably not going to be the big name player like fans want. Yeah. But I still think the Hawks will make a move or two that will help the team overall. But it's going to be interesting. It's uh, July first is always a hell of a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much one of the most exciting years of the season. Or yeah, year, days of the season, I should say. Yeah, I, I, I gosh, what you're saying there, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're just gonna have to wait and see for tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, things go in our favor. Uh, I think now it's a good time to move into the NHL draft, which we have not talked about uh, since it's happened. It's been a yep. while since the last episode, so we got some good stuff to cover here. While most fans were expecting the Hawks to take either Bowen Byram or Alex Turcott. Stan Bowman and the front office, they went in another direction by drafting a 6'4", 200-pound center, Kirby Doc. Tony, what was your initial reaction to drafting Kirby Doc third overall? Initial reaction is Doc is a good player, but I think they left some potential and upside on the table by passing on some of the other players. Yeah, and he was a consensus top 10 pick, Mm -hmm. but not many expected him to go highest three. Yeah. Um, Yeah. it's interesting for sure. I mean, I was I was live streaming it when it happened, and I when I heard Stan Bowman say from the Saskatoon Blades, I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> that I was, was like, such, "Wow!" So unexpected. I couldn't believe it. I I couldn't believe it. it. It was it was wild. I mean, but apparently Kirby Doc has been Stan Bowman's guy for a while. Yeah, uh, I, I was mean, actually sorry. Continue. Yeah, I I was kind of surprised to hear that. To be honest. Yeah, I was too. I, I mean. I don't doubt Doc's game, but just like to hear that Stan was sold on Doc for like a week before was kind of yeah. weird. Um, I was listening to uh, the NBC Blackhawks podcast, and uh, they were talking about how Stan, he took some prospects out to a dinner when they were in Buffalo. It was mm-hmm. like a week and a half before the draft, and he was like, yeah, that night I knew we were going to take Kirby Doc. I was like, damn, week and a half before, interesting. I, yeah. I knew like th- there were reports that Stan was like confident in his pick, and it seemed like he already knew who his guy was. But I didn't think like he was that confident on Kirby Doc. Yeah, that's just not the guy I had in mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see where Bowman was going just because Doc, he's got the mold of an old school power forward, like something that doesn't come around too often. Yeah. Like a combination of terrific skill, uh, excellent vision and passing ability. He, he's more of a playmaker than he is a goal scorer. But, you know, that's something that, I mean, you can also teach a guy to shoot the puck more rather than making right. six saucer passes, you know? Right. So, um, Kirby Doc, looking at his stats last season uh, for the Saskatoon Blades of the WHL, he had 25 goals, which is a career high for him in his uh, amateur career. So, definitely has room to grow as a goal scorer. Uh, but he did record 48 assists in 62 games, well over a point per game. So that's impressive to see. Uh, and he's also one of the draft's best defensive forwards, which is a plus as well. Never can have too much of that. Yeah. And also another aspect of his game that I liked is that he has an NHL-ready body. He's a big player. Absolutely. He can, you know, um, this was something cool I loved hearing about too. When they played uh, Prince Albert in the playoffs, uh, Stan mm-hmm. Bowman was talking about how he was really watching that series and it was clear that, they were, you know, you know, not targeting Kirby Doc, but he's their best player. They're going to finish their checks on him, right. especially, you know, at a junior level when a guy can take over a game like they can. They were really finishing his checks on him, and Bowman was saying that 
you know, that was just firing Kirby up. He was ready for it. He was giving the hits back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something you want getting down to, you know, the latter months of the year and in playoff hockey. You want someone that, that's not afraid, even at a young age, of banging yeah. his body around. And he shouldn't be afraid. I mean, he's 6'4", yeah. 200 pounds at 18. That's a grown man. <laughs> yeah, he's a grown man already for sure. And I'm looking at his playoff stats. He had eight points in 10 playoff games. Yeah, so – and uh, apparently his team – I mean, I don't – I don't know anyone else on the Saskatoon Blades. I didn't really look at their roster, but mm-hmm. apparently he did carry them for most of the season. So that, that's impressive as well. Um, I, I think, you know, the knack on Kirby Doc is his speed. So his first step, apparently, you know, yeah. isn't, isn't that greatest, isn't the greatest. And he is a big boy, so you could see where the, you know, the question marks with speed come into play. Mm-hmm. But I think if he, I mean – it, I, and I don't think it's been as big of a concern as people are making it out to be. I think if he keeps up with the speed of the NHL, he's going to be a fine pick at three. Yeah, and he's still also not fully developed, like absolutely his size and like every in his talent. So there's still room to grow for sure. And, and that's the thing with you know after Hughes and uh, Capocacco was these guys still have to develop pretty much every guy three through 10 yeah. it, it still has some development time. So it's another waiting game, just like, just like a trade. It, it's just essentially a trade. It's one of those where, you know, you want to judge it right away just because mm-hmm. that's every, that's everyone's instinct. You know, you want to say, Oh, good or bad, Yeah. but everything, you know, it's a process. You got to wait it out. Obviously Kirby doc still got some growing to do. He's only, right. you know, 200 pounds, just turned 18. He's a young kid. Um, but you know, he's got a lot of upside and that's what I think everyone should be excited for. That's why when a lot of people were like pissed about the pick, I was like, you got to think about his upside because yeah, you never know what he's going to turn into when he's 24 years old. This is six years from now. This is a kid still. Right. And a big player comparison that I've heard with doc is Ryan Getzloff and Mark Shifley. So if he's a mix of those two guys, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be mad if he turned out to be either of them, right? Yeah. Like, Ryan Getzlev's had a fantastic career, one of the best passers, arguably all time. Yeah. And Mark, Mark Shifley's a big body for a Winnipeg offense that's been, you know, fantastic lately. Mark Shifley's still getting his career going. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would be happy if Kirby Doc turned into either of those guys. I'm super excited or, for or Kirby. Or anything close, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he turns into a player that's anything close, then this is a good pick. And, you know, this is a draft that it was pretty deep. So, I think there's going to be a lot of comparing in the years right. down. But uh, for the time being and, you know, keeping everything in consideration, uh, it, it was a risky pick. No doubt about it. Let's, yeah. let's, not, let's not confuse it. It was a risky pick. And it's, but, he's not a lock to pan out either. Absolutely not. I mean, with uh, that, that's the problem with him is the NHL is getting faster and faster, and his question mark is the speed. Yeah. So that's why he kind of has that low floor, but he also has that high upside. So it's just kind of one of those where you have to sit back and wait, but the waiting could even not even be that long. He's someone that could potentially make the team this year. Yeah, Bowman has mentioned multiple times they're going to give him as many chances as possible to make the roster. Yeah, they're they're going. To, they said they're going to make it hard on him, but he's going to get his opportunities. And I think that Kirby's in an interesting situation because he's only 18, so he can only play in the NHL or WHL next season. Yeah. HL isn't an option, but Doc's already played two and a half seasons in the WHL. You know, like yeah, I don't know how much more he has to prove of his junior hockey career in yeah. Saskatoon. How much really can he improve with 
over lesser talent, you know? That, that's what I'm saying. You know, he's not going to be playing. He's going to be playing with the same people he played with last year, you know, are the same types of talents, you yeah. know? So how much can he really grow? Like, yeah, he can, you know, obviously improve on his game, but at the same time, he could be doing that against grown men every day. Right. So that's going to be something that the Hawks have to keep in consideration. Uh, uh, the Hawks, you know, they, they have to send, like, it's still, it's just so tough because if the Hawks think he's not ready, you don't want to burn a year of his ELC. Right. I, I honestly think they'll keep him through training camp and give, give him the him eight nine, games. Nine yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. The eight, nine games that guys do. I think that's a good option. Um, I mean, hell, you, I mean, you'd rather send him back to juniors, even though he, he could be pissed about it. Right. You'd probably rather him send, send him back to juniors than him playing shakily and, or, you know, not very good in his first year and burning right. a year of his ELC. Yeah, I mean, that would also kind of be bad for his confidence, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. You want him going – you want him heading into his NHL career with as much, you know, composure and confidence as as he can have. And, um, I mean, sending an 18-year-old into, you know, a league he's not ready for is, you know, where prospects have trouble, and that's where picks right. become busts. Right. And really, most players, most draft picks don't – start their career in the NHL yeah absolutely so I mean it yeah he it could be it could suck to see him playing three and a half years in the WHL yeah but still if that's what it takes for him to be ready this third overall pick is so crucial to the Blackhawks future that he has you have to do the right thing for Kirby Doc yeah also another option I'm not sure if it's possible would they be able to break him up later in the season um are you sure about that or no I honestly have no idea. I've never seen anyone go that route unless it's college, you know? So yeah, I don't I, think you can do that, but okay. I'm not sure. I, I, I can't say for sure. I wish I knew. Yeah, I, I saw the only recent comparison that I have is with uh, Kale McCarr in Colorado. They brought yeah, him but up that, was, that was college. Right. I'm not sure if that's the same or not. Yeah, I know you could do that once your college season's over, but uh, I, don't, I don't know about the junior situation. I have no idea about that. Okay. Yeah, that might be something to look into. Absolutely. But yeah, Kirby Doc, I mean, he very well could end up on Chicago in the opening night roster. He's another guy that, you know, training camp and prospect camp are going to be so important for him. And just like it's going to be for many guys because there's so much up in the air for these guys. Yeah, a lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fun for sure uh, once, you know, hockey season rolls around, see how everyone uh, progresses through the summer months. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, uh, out of these, uh, out of these first round draft picks, just some of the guys, you know, um, maybe taking the step in the next direction. Cause I, I just doing so, I know you put in a lot of research to this NHL draft as well. Yeah. I like really felt connected to this draft. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this was probably the draft I've known the most prospects about. I've done the most research. So like, I'm super excited to see most of these guys, even though they're not on the Hawks, I'm excited to see them, you know, make or progress yeah i feel like it's a very personal draft we we know a lot about all of these prospects and it's pretty cool yeah it was cool to do a research on um wanted to do a quick rundown of the top 10 here kind of get your kind of just get our thoughts on everything so sure. obviously number one jack hughes new, new jersey devils and you knew that was coming but i think jack yeah. i think jack's going to be a home run player it was cool to see him like so pumped up he's like oh man i'm just so pumped to be a devil yeah that Hughes family's crazy. I'm also excited to see Quinn next year in Vancouver. Yeah, too. I mean, both both guys are going to be great players. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're both – I think it's so crazy, too, that uh, 
obviously they're both super strong skaters and their mom was an Olympic figure skater. Like that's, that's some cool family ties right there. So I'm excited to see Jack Hughes be in the NHL every day next year. He's just got a world of talent. Uh, That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I think that's great for the NHL too, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good for, good for New Jersey. Look at New Jersey, man. Making moves on your PK Subban. Yeah. I mean, how much better can you do? Dude, they got in, Jack in Hughes and PK of, Subban in 24 hours. In the span of 24 hours, that might be the best that I've That's ever awesome. seen. <laughs> Did you see the video by chance that PK Subban put on Twitter? About the uh, like about when he was in his backyard reaction? and he's yeah. like, "I don't got any double gear." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and, was and then he photoshopped himself on a picture. That was so funny. He put some space on the devil as his Twitter picture. I was like, "You're such a goof, dude." PK's gold, dude. You got to protect him with all costs. And he, he's still in his prime. I think it's crazy. I saw um, I saw this stat somewhere on Twitter too. Only two players in NHL history with over a nine or nine point five million dollar cap hit have been traded, and they've both been PK Subban. Really? Right? Isn't that kind of wild? He's he's been he's shocked. A, he's a great player. That's kind of surprising. He's one of those players where, if you have the pieces around him, it's going to be lethal. Yeah. Like he had so much, like so much uh, help in. Nashville, like their their blue line was just stacked. So PK was, got to like, yeah, he got to play his game that he wanted to play exactly, and we saw him thrive in it. I feel like he does better in low pressure situations. Yeah, it, it, I'm excited to see how New Jersey just comes together as a team next year because they have worlds of talent. And like, come yeah. on, they got Taylor Hall, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, PK Subban, um, like Will Butcher. Yeah, like they have they have some talent there. So. That's going to be fun to see how Jack Hughes fits in that and that team as well. Yeah, I, I really wonder how fast the rebuild is going to be with all these new pieces. I mean, they made the playoffs two years ago. Like, they played yeah. the Lightning in the first round. Yeah, and I think Hall's injury last season had a big part of why they didn't make it. Yeah, it, it's it, that's definitely tough. I mean, when they went to the playoffs, he was carrying only one MVP. Like, yeah. dude's a stud. I still can't believe – dude, I still can't believe the Oilers traded – Adam Larson for Taylor Hall straight <laughs> up. What are you doing? Did, yeah, did you see the their Twitter page trolling that trade, the one for one thing? Yeah, that was great. They like <laughs> brought it up like the, the three year history or like three year anniversary. I was yeah. like, oh my, I was like scrolling through the comments of this trade. I was like, oh man, they want to burn Shirelli. <laughs> that was great. That's crazy. But I'm also just as excited to see Capo Caco in New York because I really yeah. thought that he made a like, if it wasn't Jack Hughes at number one, Capo really made an argument for him to be the top player in this draft class. Yeah, Capo really, honestly, could have gone number one in any other draft. He's, dude, he, he's going to be really good, I think. I mean, he's 6'2", 200 pounds already. Um, I mean, at the uh, World Championship, he had six goals, one assist in 10 games, like, it, against yeah. NHL players, basically. Like, he against looks men. really good. Yeah, he looks <laughs> really good. I'm he's excited ready. for him. Yeah, he's ready. He's ready to take over New York. Yeah, that that New York rebuild, they did a great job. They I mean, they stole Jacob Truba, I thought. Yeah. That was a good deal for them. Just Pianken, I think it was it was either a first or a second, but still yeah. Truba's a way better defenseman than Pionk is. He can play oh, legitimate yeah. top four minutes, can score you know, very he just had like his best offensive season. Yeah. So the Rangers right, are making moves question. there too. Let's hear it. Quick question. All right, who do you think is going to have a better overall career, Hughes or Kako? Mm, man, I'm going to say Kako, dude. I really am. I really am. You think? I don't know why, but, like, dude, every level I've seen Kako play at, he's just dominated. Yeah. And, like, 
I could just be it could just be recency bias because Jack Hughes wasn't impressive at all at the World Championship, and Kako yeah. was like super impressive. Yeah, I th- wasn't he MVP or in the running for MVP? Kako? Yeah. I mean, they won gold, and he was a big part of it. Like, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> so, true. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, I think they're both gonna be great NHL players. Don't get me wrong, but damn, if I was, I mean, if if I was in charge of the New Jersey Devils, man, it would have been really tough for me to not take Capo Caco. I'll yeah. tell you that. I'll yeah, tell you he that. Definitely made a case. He pushed hard at the end too. Like, what the the World Championship was just so close to the draft. You know, mm-hmm. it was crazy. But I, I mean. It all depends if Jack Hughes can really grow into his body because he's still a little kid, but obviously it's time to grow. You see plenty of 18-year-olds come in that they say are undersized, you know? Yeah. That's the thing about Kako. He's already 6'2", 200 pounds. So he's not going to have trouble. And he's like, he is, have you seen like his highlights of him? Like just like circling with the puck. Like it's hard to check (laughs) him off the puck. Like he can just hold it. Honestly, he, the way he does that reminds me of Kane. Yeah, right. It's crazy. He could just hold one puck in his hand and just circle around everybody. Yeah. He's obviously bigger than Kane is, but like he he doesn't sacrifice any skill. No. So that's going to be fun to watch Capo in New yeah. York uh, on the big scene. Uh, obviously, Kirby Doc was taken third. There's the roll of the dice for the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's going to be really, really tough, Tony, to watch Bowen Byram in Colorado for Colorado. Uh, how good is their defense? Right, and that's one thing I I tweeted like a month before the NHL draft. It was like, if you look at uh, the Colorado Avalanche and you let Bowen Byram fall to them at number four, their defense could be lethal. Like they have Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, uh, Ian Cole, yeah, Nikita Zadorov, Kale McCarr, Bowen Byram, like. Not to mention that lethal top line they have with McKinnon, Landis, Cog, and yeah. Ranton in. Like, Colorado's definitely and, on the come up, and, and they, they also yeah. have like $38 million cap fix, <laughs> which is just and ridiculous. They still have money. Like, the, I literally just looked up their cap friendly. They have $38.9 million in cap space. <laughs> That's I, ridiculous. They, they might be the dark source candidate for a big name free agent. Or Tommy Panarin. Yeah. I know that. Florida and the Islanders are the favorites for him, but I, I've, I know he had a meeting with them. I know Panarin met with the Avalanche. Yeah. And I mean, they have the loot. They could literally just say, just hand him a Blake check and just say, here, just write it yourself. <laughs> fill this out for us. Thanks. You yeah, fill this out. <laughs> give your, give your John Hancock on there and run to the bank. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Colorado, they are set up to be a good team for a long time. They have a lot of potential there. Yeah. Joe that that kind of scares well. me. Joe Sackett's done a good job. <laughs> So yeah, that that was my concern about not taking Byram is if he gets taken at four, we're gonna have to watch him become the player he's going to become, whether that's a good player or not. Yeah, we're gonna have to watch it happen. Yeah, I, it, it might be tough to watch depending on how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if Colorado also wants to get uh, Bowen Byram in the NHL this upcoming season. Yeah, so that'll be something to keep an eye on for Colorado as well. Every time we play them, uh, number five, Alex Turcotte to the LA Kings. Um, I was kind of intrigued by this move because I, I thought, I mean, Colorado, I, I did, I do see why they take Bowen Byron, no doubt the best defenseman yeah. in the draft, but I think, um, I mean, besides their top line, they really don't have all that much depth forward wise. Right. So in my like mock draft, I had Turcotte going four to Colorado and then I had Byron going five to LA. Yeah. 
But once Byram got taken, you probably weren't going to reach at five to take Broberg, you know? No. So I understand why you take Alex Turcotte at number five. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point, they're taking the best player available, and now is obviously Turcotte with his yeah. upside. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think, I think Alex Turcotte, yeah, I think he could be a really good player there for L.A. Um, I was just, dude, the one thing that just concerned me so much, I've said it a lot, but the fact that Craig Button, he said – after watching the U.S. national development team for two years, mm-hmm. he said there wasn't one game where after watching that team, he, he said there wasn't one game where he thought Alex Turcotte was the best player on that team. Really? That Yeah, he said that when, the, when uh, he actually was on the uh, Blackhawks NBC podcast. Mm-hmm. They had him on, and they were asking about all the prospects and stuff, and that's what he said about Alex Turcotte. That, that was like, wow, that's kind of – I mean, for a guy that is in the talk of going number three – yeah. You know, you probably want to be sure that, that, I mean, obviously, you know, that could just be Craig Button's opinion. It's just one analyst, yeah. one analyst's thoughts, but that's just something that it was just a red flag for me about Turcotte. Not, not doubting his game, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, durability is also kind of a red flag with him because he's been hurt, I think. Right. Yeah. He was sick last year. He had a hip injury. He had like an unfortunate draft year kind of, I mean, it yeah. didn't end up hurting him. He still went top five. Right. But, uh, you know, I think that was kind of why um, maybe that's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. I I, I think L.A. had a great draft overall. They though. did have yeah. a good draft. Did, did they take uh, uh, Arthur Kaliev? Was that them? They who got, got Kaliev the... in the second round. Yeah. I couldn't believe he slid that far. I really wanted the Blackhawks to trade up for him. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe he made it to the to the second day. That was kind of crazy. Proven goal scorer for Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Kings, they did have a hell of a draft. They had a good one. I'll say that. Yeah, can't complain. Ballsy pick here at number six for Detroit. Moritz Sider. I actually had a talk with a Red Wings fan last night. My buddy who goes to college uh, at Western Michigan had his buddy. We were just hanging out. I was talking about the Red Wings. But he – I yeah. mean, he – uh, pretty much every Red Wings mind, uh, mentality right now is we trust Stevie Y. Look at what he did in Tampa. All right, Mort Sider's going to be great. <laughs> That's what he was saying to me. It was kind of funny. That's just like blind faith. <laughs> I, it kind of is. But, I mean, look at the team Stevie, Stevie put together in Tampa. I, I mean, true. I'd probably be thinking the same thing if we took, a, you know, a question mark at six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at who won after him. Yeah, uh, we had Cousins go at seven for Buffalo. Tough thumb injury. Um, yeah, that was tough to watch. I feel bad for him because uh, Cousins is a good kid and he's got a lot of upside to his game. Yeah, eight eight was Broberg. Um, so I know that that's kind of like reach. Yeah, Edmonton needed D help, so I see why they did that. I I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have had Broberg going top ten, but I see why they did that. Yeah, here's my steal. That top ten is Trevor Zegers at number nine. I, I think he has yeah. potential to be one of the best players of this draft class. Great value pick probably the biggest steal of draft yeah at, at number nine too for anaheim that's like that's a, that's a big pick for them to head in the right direction because they're kind of a team that's in that limbo right now yeah so i think they kind of got thrown a bone with zegra sliding to nine uh probably the best passer of this draft and arguably one of the best playmakers yeah he of all the players he He's right up there as far as upside goes. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people, or a lot of scouts, I should say, had him as a potential 90-point player in the NHL one day. Yeah, I, I saw those comparisons. He's, he's a great playmaker. He could make things happen. 
Yeah, so that could be a big uh, big addition to Anaheim for them getting their you know whole organization kind of back on track. And then number 10 to round up the top 10 was Vasily Podkolzin, who kind of, because the draft was in Vancouver, they kind of got some mixed reactions about him yeah. going at 10. But, I mean, it, if you're Vancouver, you're, you know, you're kind of not – you're not going to win the Stanley Cup next year if you're Vancouver. Like, come on. Right. So, you have kind of the time to sit around and wait for Vasily Podkolzin's contract to expire in the KHL. So, yeah. that, made, that pick kind of made sense to me. Yeah. I mean, at the point, you, Podkolzin is a great pick. He has a lot of potential to become, you know, a top line wing. And what's kind of crazy is that um, he, you know, when the mock drafts first came out and the Blackhawks got the number three pick, he, you know, he was a guy that uh, a lot of people had going at number three, just like first instinct. Pod Colson at 10 for Vancouver. I think that's a really good pick for them considering. You know, he's got a lot of potential to become a top-line a top line winger. You know, Vancouver can be patient with their current situation. And also, I mean, going back two months ago to when the Blackhawks, when it first got announced the Blackhawks got the third overall pick, there were a lot of people hoping Vasily Podkolzin were going to be that pick, or was going to be that pick. Yeah, I mean, he has top three upside. It's just that the two years left on his deal in the KHL kind of scared people away. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. In a deep draft, um, I think people were wanting, you know, to kind of develop their prospect right away. And the fact that he wasn't even coming to North America for two years might have scared some people off. But I think at 10 at Vancouver, that, that's a really good value spot for Vasily Podkolzin. Yeah, I mean, if you look at other players who were in a similar situation, like Tarasenko, they didn't come over right away and they had a great career. Or, yeah, they're having a great career still right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, maybe in the top four or five, you know, that could matter. But I think at 10, uh, Vasily Podkolzin is going to be a good pick for Vancouver. I think, you know, they're going to like him a lot. They're going to be happy with that pick. He's going to fit in really well with their young team. Absolutely. So that the whole top 10, it's going to be fun to watch them uh, progress in this 2019-2020 season. Uh, some other picks quickly to, you know, in the first round that we can talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought Matthew Boldy at 12 to Minnesota. I thought that was a pretty good pick. Yeah. Um, he, he showed some skill for the development team as well. I think Spencer Knight at 13. I think, you know, for a goalie that is early, but I think the Panthers, you know, um, I think that that pick made a lot of sense for their future. Yeah, especially when you consider what, what just happened. Luongo just retired. They traded, uh, was it Reimer? Reimer, yeah. They traded Reimer yeah. for, uh, traded Reimer for uh, Darling and then bought him out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they curr- they literally have zero goalies right now. <laughs> yeah. They have no goalies. So, I mean, it's likely that they're going to get Bob Rofsky. But, you know, even then, Spencer Knight's someone that could be up in the NHL sooner rather than later. Right. I think w- since they did take him that early, I believe that they think he's ready. Yeah, I think that, yeah, he could be, I think, I don't know if we'll see him this season, but I think we could definitely see Spencer Knight next year. I think he's yeah. out. He's out. In, uh, they'll see him in at least some type of capacity next season. Absolutely, yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Um, I think, you know, we, we have to talk about Cole Caulfield at 15, you know. I mean, there were people that go three. There were pe- a lot of people that thought he could go three. Yeah. All the way 15 to Montreal. That's interesting, of course. His, his scoring upside is off the charts, and I think, 
that Montreal is going to love that pick. It's a great value pick. Yeah, that I mean, for 15, it was clear he was the best player there. Montreal got yeah. st- they probably probably weren't many circumstances where they thought Caulfield was going 15. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really project for that happening. You you never know. Yeah, that's just that's just the NHL draft. So um, I'm sure Montreal's licking their chops that they got you know the draft's best goal scorer at 15. Yeah, it, honestly, that could be the best scorer in this draft class. It's also kind of interesting considering that they were the ones that traded away the draft pick for Alex DeBrinkett, who Cole Caulfield's been like compared to so much. Yeah. Kind of funny how that works out like that. Yeah, it, it's kind of full circle. I also definitely want to talk about Alex Newhook at 16 to Colorado. Colorado, man. Bowen Byram and Newhook in the first round is dangerous. And they still have money to play with. So more money than anyone. It's, <laughs> That's insane. I feel bad for Peyton Krebs. I mean, 17 still not bad, but, yeah. you know, torn Achilles, that's tough. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's yeah. kind of tough that it happened to him at that point in his career. But, I mean, that could also affect his future career. Yeah, absolutely. I hope the best for him. And he landed in a good spot in Vegas. So, I mean, yeah. hopefully all the best for him. Hopefully it works out. Absolutely. Um, and then quickly, I really want to talk about – uh. Alex Vlasic in the second round for the Blackhawks. Yeah. I thought that was a home run pick. That I mean, that was a pick we've been talking about Alex Vlasic at 43 for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw the report, but they, the scouting team were expecting him to go in the first round. Yeah, yeah, I did see that they saw that. They, they had him go in the first day, so they were probably, you know, rubbing their hands together when they saw him <laughs> go around at 43. Yeah, I mean, he is one of the better – shut down defenseman of the draft class. I'm super excited for him. I mean, he's six, six, he's a big kid from Wilmette. So he's from the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And also one thing that really stood out to me was, uh, for, I, I forget, no, I forget their coach's name for the U S development program, mm-hmm. but they said that for his size, his speed's incredible. Like his yeah. speed, out of worry for his size. Yeah. I mean, this size and speed combo, that's deadly. And then Besides his, besides his great defensive skills, he does have some offensive upside. Yeah, he, he's a good puck mover, and then I, I saw multiple highlights of him jumping into the rush as well. Yeah, he has so, a really good shot. Yeah, he said he goes. he's expecting to spend two years at Boston, mm-hmm. which is probably just going to do great things for his progression. I mean, Boston's yeah. a great university. They've, they've had a lot of NHL players go on. Great and have pipeline. Some... Exactly. I'm excited he's going to a place like that where, you know, he's – going to be coached by people that have led people to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only going to, it's only going to help for him. So I, I think, you know, I mean, Alex Lash is probably three years away, but that's someone to be super excited about in the defensive pipeline. That's, that's more long-term rather than, you know, yeah. like Dan and Mitchell are short-term. Yeah. Also another thing I like about Vlasic is that he's left-handed. So he's going to complement all of these upcoming defenseman prospects because they're, they're mainly right-handed offensive defenseman yeah that's that's important yeah with Boquist and Ian Mitchell coming up on the right side that's definitely going to play a factor so uh, I was super excited with Alex Lassick I actually I mean uh, I can't really say this because I mean no one was probably going yes when Kirby Doc got taken <laughs> overall that was just kind of the way that it went yeah but Alex Lassick got taken 43 I had like a huge fist pump like I was super pumped the Tiger like, Woods fist pump right there it, it was it actually was <laughs> 
it was a nice Sunday Tiger fist bump. That one, I was ready. I was actually really excited about that pick. I think that was a good value pick Absolutely. because he was graded as a first round talent for many teams. Absolutely, and um, yeah, that's that shows you the value that an early round uh, or an early second round pick can have. And going back to something that we kind of talked about earlier in the podcast with the Andrew Shaw trade, yeah, that's second round pick becomes a concern you know if the Blackhawks struggle next season they have another 40 43 pick like this right that could be a player that Montreal just took away from us yeah I mean you look at what the Blackhawks got in that Andrew Shaw trade the original one they got Alex Debrinkit with their second round pick Chad Chris Chad Chris was the one yeah well that's good value uh it's all you know just gonna be part of the plan you gotta just kind of sit back and see how it goes yeah hopefully it just pans out that's what you're hoping for that's kind of what we're hoping for with uh, everything on the Blackhawks. So I think that's a good uh, point to wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you so much to all the listeners out there. Make sure to give the podcast a follow on Twitter, which you can find at Talk Hockey for all Blackhawks news and updates. Free agency tomorrow is certainly going to be interesting. Not sure how much sleep I'm going to get tonight, but <laughs> it's going to be a fun one as July 1st always is, Tony. Yeah, I mean – they, the team isn't done making moves. There's still going to be cards being played, and it'll be interesting to see how it develops. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people are hopeful that Anisimov gets moved tomorrow. I'm not sure it will happen, but yeah, first, anything can happen. So, yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode from Jack Bushman and Tony Generis. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Tony, thank you for taking the time tonight to do this with me. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. I'm glad to be on. Awesome, awesome. So go Blackhawks. Hopefully tomorrow's a good day for us. And as always, make our defense great again. Mate.